Our second message this afternoon is from Mr. Steve Andrews. It is entitled, To Doubt or To Believe. Steve. When choosing the title, I was going to put all kinds of things with it. To doubt or to believe, that is the question. But I got to thinking about it, to doubt is human, and to believe is divine. Other things you could put with it. But I kind of left it open to think about it, to meditate on this problem of doubting and believing. Because in every spiritual person's life, I think, sometimes there is that period of time when there might be a little bit of doubt about, well, am I on the right side with God? And I really appreciate David's message there because it just fit right in. There was a young man, or maybe he was an older man, I don't know, by the time that all of these events came about. And, and he was with Jesus through his ministry. But for some reason, he missed the boat. <laughs> you know how some of us come a little late? And he was, like some of us, he kind of doubted things. And I think everybody knows who that is. That's what we call Doubting Thomas. He wanted, he was not going to believe what the disciples told him. The disciples said, we saw him. He was here. And he said, I'm not going to believe until I see those nail prints and the holes in his side. And it's interesting that this was left for us to understand an important principle about doubting and then having that belief. It's verse 24. I think that's where I was going to just pick it up here. I, everyone knows the story that they were there in that room. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. So he was, he missed that particular event. And the other disciples therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. You can imagine how excited they were. But he said to them, except I see in his hands and the print of the nails and put my finger in the print of those nails and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And so he has received that moniker, Doubting Thomas. And after eight days, again, his disciples were within, and Thomas was with them. And then Jesus came and stood being, uh, with the doors being shut and stood in the midst and said, Peace be to you. And then he said to Thomas, Reach here your finger, behold my hands, and reach here your hand and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. And he believed. And Jesus said, Thomas, and this is the thing that we need to take from this message from Jesus. Thomas, believe, because you have seen me, 
and he believed, blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. It's interesting that we're nearly 2,000 years from that event. And we believe. We believe. Because of the word that we've been given. And I shall read that here in a little bit. And many of the other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. That one incident from one doubter brought about belief in that doubter but also gave presence to these words that help us to also have that belief in Jesus Christ. In Luke, the fourth chapter, sometimes we run up against these kind of doubters. And I don't know how many when I was a young man, first coming into this, into this way, that I kind of ran into this situation. Beginning in verse 13. The devil having ended the temptation, he departed from him for a season. And Jesus returned in power of the Spirit unto Galilee. And there went out fame of him throughout all the region round about. And he taught in the synagogues, being glorified in all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted to preach deliverance to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and he gave it again to the minister and sat down and the eyes of all of them were, on, <clears throat> were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say to them, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. And all bore him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth, and they said, Is not this Joseph's son? Right there they began to put him down. And he said to them, You surely will say to me this proverb, Physician, heal yourself. Whatsoever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in your country. And he said, Verily I say unto you, No prophet is accepted in his own country. And it's an interesting aside. I remember when I was first coming into this way, how much I wanted to preach to others, you know, to bring them into this, into this truth. And um, even my father, um, even though my mother had, uh, had the plain truth and everything there, my father just did not understand. The friends did not understand. Those that I was the closest to for so many years of my growth in, in youth, and even the friend that I had had since I was in uh, early high school could not understand 
He said, no prophet is accepted in his own country. Here they knew him. And they probably had heard of the miracles and things that he had been doing. And he said, also, I tell you the truth. Many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heaven was shut up three years and six months. Great famine was throughout all the land. But none of them was Elijah sent, save Sarepta in the city of Sidon, to a woman that was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha, the prophet, and none of them was cleansed, saying, Naaman, the Syrian. And all they in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath. <laughs> that was right out of the Bible. All he was doing was quoting right out of Scripture. And they were filled with wrath because it hit back on them. And they doubted Jesus. They doubted his power. And they rose up and thrust him out of the city and led him to the brow of the hill wherein their city was built that they might cast him down headlong. And sometimes a mob can be very, very dangerous. And they were willing to take his life. Of course, he slipped out, slipped away, got away from him. It was not his time. But you can see how that can come about. They doubted him. They doubted his power. They doubted the words that he gave them. In Mark, the 11th chapter, let's find out where Mark is here. Mark 11, beginning in verse 20. Here's this um, fig tree that was cursed. In the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. Peter calling to remember and said to him, Master, behold the fig tree which you cursed is withered away. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Have faith in God. Believe in God. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say to this mountain, Be removed and be you cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he says. Therefore I say to you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. And when you stand praying, forgive, if you have anything against any, that your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. There's some, there's some ifs, there's some... There's some things that need to be a part of those things that we ask. It has to be the will of the Father. It, your heart has to be right. There's a lot of things that go into that. And sometimes that's what causes us to doubt because we pray for it and we don't see the intervention. But we don't know what God is planning in our life, what He is, has for us. He was... <clears throat> It's easy to have doubts and harder to believe. It's harder to believe. And yet that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to have that faith, that strong, tied faith, that if that time came, that we could move a mountain, if we were called upon, that we could do a miracle, not to our own glory, but to the glory of God. 
that we could stand up before those who were uh, magistrates and different ones and we could preach the gospel to the glory of God that we could believe. He says, when you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against any that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. So there are rules and regulations and things that we need to understand as we believe. We understand from Hebrews, the 11th chapter, beginning in verse 1. I won't wait. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. It's, a, it's a very important to, <clears throat> to understand that this is a spiritual principle. And I, par, I apologize. <clears throat> Maybe I'll get a little water here. For some reason or other, there's been an awful lot of stuff in the air <laughs> after it rains and all this stuff comes down. And then it has to wait till I get up here to speak to give me a froggy throat. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. We look forward to, being, to believing that that's going to happen and the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews the sixth, uh, eleven six also the one I always quote because I love this I love this verse. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. If you don't believe, if you can't believe in God, if you can't believe in Jesus Christ, then it's impossible to please God. For he that comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Faith, also from Romans, the 10th chapter, verse 17, comes by the hearing. And I'm just, I didn't give that to Brian. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Years and years of listening and hearing. But it's also from events that have happened in, in each individual's lives. I remember how many times in our life that we could have gotten discouraged and just given it all up. Seeing different people um, being discouraged and giving up this way of life. Going to back into paganism after learning the truth about this way of life. It seems so hard to understand. But it happens. So we must believe through the word that we are given. In Luke, the 17th chapter, this is an interesting, and, and what I was really wanting to do, and it actually ended up being this, is I wanted to go through some of the miracles and show some interesting things about the miracles that, that are that are brought out in the, in the Word. And this is one of those very, very interesting uh, miracles that Jesus did. There were ten lepers, beginning in verse um, 11. And it came to pass, as he went to Jerusalem, he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee, and he entered into a certain village. There met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. You know, the lepers, um, they, 
they had a problem. They couldn't be anywhere near anyone because it was very contagious. So anytime that they would talk to anybody, they had to be a long ways off and they would, you know, wave and talk and they would yell. Well, here they were, 10 men, 10 men were out there. They were talking and they were yelling at Jesus. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. You know, we don't know what state these lepers were in. We have no idea how far this leprosy had gone. But leprosy is terrible. It eats away the skin and the bones. and the, the, You can lose your hands, your fingers, your toes, your, your, your feet. You can, it, it, it can be extremely bad. And so they were, they were have mercy on us. We're in, we're, we're in terrible condition. Have mercy. And when he saw them, he said to them, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And it came to pass as they went, as they went, they were cleansed. All of them, all ten were cleansed as they headed towards the priest. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his feet, on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was what? A Samaritan. And it doesn't say who the other nine men were. It doesn't say who the other nine men were. But we know the parable of the Good Samaritan and who passed by the one that was injured. And Jesus <clears throat> answering said, were, were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? There's not found that returned to give glory there are not found that return to give glory to God save this stranger. And he said, Arise and go your way. Your faith has made you whole. This is an important lesson, brethren. When we do receive a blessing from God, we need to get on our knees and thank him for that blessing. Don't delay. Give God thanks. If you're saved from something <laughs> that's dangerous, and I was, I was going to add to what David, I, I've already given this once, and I thought maybe I, just because of what David said about, because drilling rigs are dangerous. It's just the way it is. I mean, it's just the way they, the things are. And um, I was, uh, they had put in a new pipe, and I was crawling over it, and I fell off of that pipe, right on my face. Well, I was so thankful that I guess that guardian angel pulled my heart hat down over my nose and my face as I fell because I, if I had landed without my heart hat on, I would have been all totally busted up on my face. I landed flat on my face on that hard hat. And so there's many incidents that I can go through that I have seen the intervention of God in my life and to be thankful to him has increased and strengthened my faith you have to be aware <laughs> I mean these all were walking down and they they were heading towards the priest and all of a sudden they were clean 
the nine started walking away, and the one came back, he realized, all of a sudden, I'm healed. I need to worship. I need to worship. I need to praise God. I need to take that time right now. Maybe he went back to the priest later just to, for confirmation. But at that time, he went and he praised God. Thank God. Gave God the glory. In Luke, the 10th chapter, there's so many of these. Luke 10, beginning in verse. Verse 25, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said, What is written in the law, and how read you? And he said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said, You have answered right, this do, and you shall live. But he willing to justify himself, this is an interesting point, he willing to justify himself said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? This is, an, this is a very interesting parable that he gives, a very profound one about this Samaritan. A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of, the raiment, of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that, that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. I'm not going to have anything to do with that. Oh, I don't want to do anything. And a certain Samaritan, you know, they didn't really like Samaritans. They weren't, they weren't uh, accepted very well. And a certain Samaritan, as a journey came, where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. And he went to him, bound his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to the inn, and took care of him. A stranger who was willing to take the time to take care of somebody. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said to him, take care of him and whatsoever you spend more when I come I will repay you. Which now um, which now of these three think you was the neighbor to him that fell among the thieves. And he had no other way to say it and he said that showed mercy on him and then Jesus said to him go and do you likewise. Now well, that's part of our faith. That's part of it, action. It's not static, it has action. Faith has action, it has deeds, it has things that we do or happen to us so that we are strengthened in that faith. In Luke the 8th chapter, in Luke the 8th chapter, In the beginning of verse 27, he said, When he went forth to land, there, he, uh, there met him out of the city a certain man which had devils long time and wore no clothes, neither abode in any house but in the tombs. Man, 
What a situation. And when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and with a loud voice said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, you Son of God, Most High? I beseech you, torment me not. It was not the man talking. It was not the individual man talking. This poor man was besieged with something very unclean. For he commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for oftentimes it had caught him and was kept bound. He was kept bound with chains and in fetters, and he broke his bonds or his bounds or his bands and was driven of the devil into the wilderness. The devil gave him all kinds of uh, these demons gave him all kinds of strength, but he was just totally insane and out in the middle of nowhere. And Jesus said, and Jesus asked him and said, "What's your name?" So I guess these demons have names. And he said, Legion, because many devils were entered into him. And they besought him that he would not command them to go out into the deep. Oh, don't send us out into just into the never, but just. And there was a herd of many swine. I thought this was quite profound. <laughs> Feeding on the mountain. And they besought him that he, he would permit them to enter in them. And, and he permitted them. So here these swine are now possessed with devils. And the devils went out of the man and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down the steep place and into the lake and were choked. In other words, they all died. I mean, even the swine didn't like the devils. <laughs> I have to get away from these guys. I just don't want to have anything to do with them. They all raced in there and died. And when they had fed them, uh, when they that fed them saw what was done, they fled and went and told it in the city and in the country. Oh no, all, all of our um, swine are in the, died. And they went out to see what was done and came to Jesus and found the man out of whom the devils departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Can you imagine a man having that all of a sudden just taken away and the peace that would come upon him and he would see his Savior standing there. He would be at such peace. And they also saw it told them by what means that he had possessed the devils and was healed. Then the whole multitude of the country of the Gadarenes round about besought him to depart from them, for they were taken with great fear. And he went up into the ship and returned back again. This was a tremendous miracle. They could have had unbelievable faith, and they were afraid. They were afraid, but brethren, that name, our Savior, is powerful. And the demons have no power over us as long as we believe in Christ. As long as we have that faith in Christ, you have a powerful name that you can take against that demon or anybody or even a troubling spirit or anything. Chapter, 12, chapter 7 is a very interesting chapter. And this is what I really was thinking about giving today. Um, it has a little bit of everything in it. It has faith, um, healing. Um, it also has some doubt in it. And so I, 
as, as I finish up here, it, this will be a short message today, but I was thinking how interesting, just, just reading this chapter and the, the events that happened around Jesus as he was preaching and teaching can give us also that faith in him. Now, when he had ended all his sayings in the audience, this is chapter, you know, we've already got up, Luke 7, verse 1. When he ended all his sayings in the audience of the people, he entered into the Capernaum. And a certain centurion servant who was dear to him was sick and ready to die. And when he heard of Jesus, he sent to him the elders of the Jews, beseeching him that he would come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they besought him instantly, saying, that he was worthy for whom he should do this. For he loves our nation, and he has built us a synagogue. And Jesus went with them, and when he, had, he was now not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him and saying to him, Lord, trouble not yourself, for I am not worthy that you should enter into my, my roof. Wherefore, neither thought I myself worthy to come to you, but say in the word, and my servant shall be healed, for I am a man set under, or in other words, I am placed under authority, and have me soldiers. In other words, he was a man who was over soldiers, and but he was under authority also. He, he was a leader in the Roman army. I say to one, go, and he goes. To another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard these words, he marveled at him and, and turned, to him, uh, uh, turned him about and said to the people and followed, I say to you, I have not found so great a faith, not in all Israel. From a distance, he prayed that Jesus would heal his servant. From a distance, he said, You're, I am not worthy for you to come to my house. From a distance, he says, I'm also I'm clean, and I don't even want to come before you, but I ask, please, would you heal my servant? And they that sent, returning to the house, found the servant whole that had been sick. And it came to pass that day that after he went to the city that was Nain, and many of his disciples went with him, and many people. Now when he came near to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man. Remember all the different miracles that Jesus has done. Healing from a distance. This dead man. <laughs> they're carrying a dead man. The only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and many people of the city were with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her. And he said to her, weep not. Please, don't cry. And he came and touched the bier that they bore him uh, that bore him, stood still, and he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. And he that was dead sat up and began to speak, and he delivered him to his mother. And there came fear on all, and they glorified God, saying that a great prophet has risen up among us, and that God has visited his people. You know, sometimes we say, well, they, you know, they were dead, but these these people were actually dead. We know that Lazarus was also resurrected, and he had gone four days, and he had already started to decay. So Jesus had the power. 
And this rumor of him went forth throughout, verse 17, throughout all Judea and throughout all the region and round about. And the disciples of John showed him all these things. And John calling to him, two of his disciples sent them to Jesus saying, Are you he that should come or look we to another? Remember, John, John the Baptist was the one that baptized Jesus, preached the message of the one to come, saw the dove that came on the shoulders and probably heard God the Father making that statement about Jesus being his beloved son. But he was in prison. And it's not, un sometimes that is, you know, when your life is in, and maybe he knew his life was, was in the, um, was short, that he was going to die. And he wanted confirmation. He wanted to know for sure. And when the men were come to him and said to John the Baptist, who sent us to you and saying, are you he that should come or should we look for another? And in that same hour, he cured many of their infirmities and plagues and evil spirits. To many that were blind, he gave sight. So instead of just sending away with words, he did the miracles so that these two could see the miracles. And then Jesus answered to them and said, go your way. Tell John what things you have seen and heard. How that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, uh, are raised the poor, uh, and to the poor the gospel is preached. And blessed is he whoever shall not be offended in me. That was an encouragement for John. Those words were encouragement for John, but they've come down through the ages, brethren. They've come down to us today. And when the messengers of John were departed, he began to speak to the people concerning John. Because this was very important for, for them to understand that we're standing there. What went you out in the wilderness to see? A reed shaken in the wind? But what went you out to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they which are gorgeously apparelled and live del uh, delicately are in king's courts. What went you out for to see? A prophet? Yea, I say to you, and much more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, which shall prepare your way before you. Before you. For I say to you, among those that were born of women, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. But he that is least in the kingdom of God is greater than him, than he. Interesting words of encouragement for us. Because the kingdom of God is for you and I, as well as for all that are called. And we're going to meet John the Baptist in the kingdom. We're going to meet our Savior, Jesus Christ, and God the Father, and all those who have made it, who are waiting in their grave to that day. And no matter how least we are in the kingdom, we will be greater than John the Baptist was who preached and preached to those people to repent. For the Savior had come. And all the people that heard him and the publicans justified God being baptized with the baptism of John. It's interesting. But the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the counsel of God against themselves being not baptized of him. And the Lord said, Where, 
whereto then shall I liken the men of this generation, and to what are they like? They are like the children sitting in the marketplace and calling one another and saying, We have piped to you, and you have not danced. We have mourned to you, and you have not wept. For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and you say, He has a devil. And the Son of Man comes eating and drinking, and you say, Behold, a gluttonous man and a winebimber, a friend of republicans and the sinners. The wisdom is justified of all her children. One of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. You know, uh, this Pharisee was impressed, I guess, with what he was saying. And behold, a woman of the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment. This is, a, this is a quite a profound um, scenario here with this, this woman as she comes to Jesus in a totally different attitude probably than this Pharisee had. I mean, the Pharisee probably thought, wow, this is a man of, of uh, uh, great renown and I'm going to invite him to eat. And this woman came with great humility. And stood at his feet behind him weeping. And began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisees which had bidden him saw it, he spoke within himself saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that touches him, for she is a sinner. You know, it kind of puts us all in the same place, doesn't it? Kind of puts us all in the same place. Because we come before Jesus and we know, like that woman, that we were a sinner and we have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And she came with the right attitude. And she gave everything she had. And Jesus answering said, Simon, I have somewhat to say to you. And he says, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors, and the one owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him the most? Well, Simon answered and said, I, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most and he said to him, you have rightly judged. You have rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said to Simon, See you this woman? I entered into your house, and you gave me no water for my feet. But she's washed her feet, she's washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. You gave me no kiss. But this woman, since the time I came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil you did not anoint. But this woman has anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. 
This woman came to him with the right attitude, a humble, submissive, just heartfelt attitude. And they sat at meat with him and began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgives sins also? And he said to the woman, Your faith, your faith, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Sometimes in our life, we want to doubt. We want to doubt that God is with us. Maybe sometimes we doubt that our baptism has taken. Sometimes maybe we doubt that, that God is with us. But if we look at how he has intervened in our life, how he has opened our eyes to the word, how sometimes he intervenes to save us, protect us from certain things, if we go back and we actually review those in our heart, we understand that he is giving us the strength of faith to believe in him. It's a positive thing, brethren, to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and all he does in our life and to live that faith until Christ returns or until we die and wake in that kingdom to that glory that he has for us.